This is the Defenders Podcast on TV Podcast Industries, and we're talking about She-Hulk, Attorney at Law, Episode 3, The People versus Emil Blonsky. I know, you can't wait to see Wong, I get it. Uh, I just want to make sure that you don't think this is one of those cameo every week type of shows. It's not. Looks up Bruce. And Blonsky. And Wong. Just remember whose show this actually is. Welcome back, fellow Defenders. This is TV Podcast Industries, and this is the Defenders Podcast. We're talking about She-Hulk, Attorney at Law, The People versus Emil Blonsky, the third episode of this nine-episode series. I am one of your hosts, John. And I'm one of your other hosts, Derek. And rounding out this trio of She-Hulk fanatics, I am Chris. Excellent. Welcome aboard, everybody. Uh, good, yes. to, good to be back. Um, a really good point that you made there earlier on. This is the third episode of nine episodes. I've noticed lots of people seem to think this is a six-episode show because it's been ages since we had a nine-episode show. Yes, back to um, WandaVision, yeah. no less. Well, What If was the last nine episodes. Oh, What If, yes, yeah. okay. Yeah. But not live action. That's right. So uh, nine episodes to go. So we've got six more episodes after this after this third episode, which is pretty cool. And they're going so fast. These 30 minute episodes just are, are crack it out and then buy it later uh, and leave you laughing, which is always good fun. Yeah, absolutely. It does remind me very much of the, the Archers, the Rick and Mortys, the, 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 the shorter 22 episode <laughs> shows. Right? Yes, Archer. You mean Archer. Yes. Yeah. Not the Archers, the Archers. which is uh, a different show entirely that's, that's, that's a, yes. a radio soap opera that's been going on since the 40s <laughs> about, in the uk yeah <laughs> about rural villages <laughs> well i could mean that too i haven't heard of that it may be very similar to archer the animated <laughs> well, show on well, fx chris Plus, you are full of surprises oh, you with your your taste child, yeah, exactly <laughs> <laughs> who would have thought it excellent but welcome back fellow defenders don't give us a copyright strike for the archers that's definitely still in the copyright job yeah probably welcome back fellow defenders we are going to be discussing this episode of she hulk in full spoiler filled detail uh came out today on disney plus as we record um we've got a bit of feedback in for this episode but as usual if you have any thoughts on any of the episodes of she hulk you can email us to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com with any thoughts that you want to share on this uh this fun little show from disney plus Yes, and of course, head on over to tvpodcastindustries.com where you can subscribe to the podcast on any good or evil podcast catcher of your choice. We are also over on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash tvpodcastindustries. But I think with that public service announcement... <laughs> um Derek, what are some of the episode details? Well, executive producers for the show are Kevin Feige, Louis <gasps> Desposito, Victoria Alonso, Brad Winderbaum, and Jessica Gao and Kat Quaro. Uh, the head writer for the show is Jessica Gao, and this episode, once again, directed by Kat Quaro. This episode was written by Francesca Gallus and Jacqueline J. Gallus. Uh, they worked together on the Punky Brewster reboot, and Francesca was also a writer and story editor on the 2016 live-action Tick TV series, which was lots of fun. Interesting. Um, yeah, similar, similar kind of style of comedy as well. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so you can kind of see why why you'd bring someone like like that on board. Yeah, right? definitely. Especially someone who likes spoon. 
<laughs> there are no spoons in this episode of uh, F.G. Hulk. There could be. <laughs> but John, do you want to tell us what they did give us with your synopsis of She-Hulk Attorney at Law, Episode 3, The People vs. Emil Blonsky? Sure. At her new firm, GKLNH, She-Hulk Attorney at Law begins her first case defending Emil Blonsky, a.k.a. The Abomination, at his parole hearing. After news leaks of Blonsky's trip to a fight club in China with the Sorcerer Supreme, Jennifer Walters tracks down Wong to get an explanation. At the parole board hearing, Wong confirms that Blonsky was taken by him to China and offered freedom and asylum in Camotage, but Emil refused and chose to return to prison to serve out his sentence. With the assurance that Emil Blonsky will never change into the abomination again, and Wong's testimony, he is granted parole to live out his life with his seven soulmates. Meanwhile, Jen's colleague Pug has to represent her narcissistic former co-worker Dennis in a case against a shape-shifting light elf. Miss Runa, the elf, had impersonated Grammy Award-winning artist Megan the Stallion, leading on Dennis and scamming 175000 out of him. With the expert testimony of Jen on how self-absorbed Dennis is, he wins the case against Runa, the elf, and she is sentenced to six months in prison for attempting to impersonate a judge. Following the hearing, Jennifer is attacked by a crew outside her home with some Asgardian construction tools. In her She-Hulk form, they are easily defeated, but remark that their boss won't be happy. They fail to get a sample of Jen's blood. With the case won and her attackers dispatched, Jen has a new client and a friend she'd kill for as she twerks with Megan the Stallion in her office. (laughs) I love this episode. Yes. (laughs) That's so much fun. Um, We will talk, obviously, about each of the major points uh, of the episode as we go through our discussion. But overall, what did you think of the episode, Chris? I enjoyed it. It answers some questions Mm. from Shang-Chi. It literally sets up the wrecking crew. Mm -hmm. It sets up additional questions on who the big boss is. Like, it's fun. It's, like, Mm cameo-filled. And at the same point, it does actually propel the story forward. And I think that's the best we're going to get in every time out of this, which is like, it's so short, quick blasts. I could do with 40 minutes of this if it gave it a bit of breathing room, but then it changes what I think they're trying to do, which is bite-sized, fun well, that's it. Well, it's a sitcom, and sitcoms are generally 22 to 25 minutes long, so it's about that kind of level you know so uh, it does feel like something that's uh that, that like they're pushing the envelope with it definitely but it does feel like a, a family sitcom that you'd see yeah, I, i'm, in, lo- in the I'm loving friends it or that kind of thing i'm yeah. loving it it's short sharp and sweet yep. and it, it's really good it never and overstays it's welcome you just <laughs> you sometimes forget just how many 30 minute shows were on tv back in the day as mm-hmm. well yeah. so yeah. Um, it's just it's you know it, it's in that tradition so yeah really really enjoying um, this and really enjoyed this episode. I mean, yeah, Wong, great, absolutely. Uh, as you say, Chris, really good to get some context from that uh, arena battle uh, in Shang Chi. So mm-hmm. yeah, it was really, really good. Yeah, but order, order in the courtroom. Of course, let's get. Well, indeed. Um, let us get on with our top three case points for this episode. Mm-hmm. 
Case point number one. It's Wong. It is. It's Wong. Welcome back, Benedict Wong, uh, to phase one of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. He's been in everything now, hasn't he? He has, but he's that good. Yes, he's amazing. It's Wong-tastic. <laughs> so great to see him in here. But really, this point is all about the fact that Wong's here to explain uh, Emil Blonsky's uh, absence from prison. The big cliffhanger, I suppose, that we got from last week that now everybody knows he's escaped to prison. Um, so what do you think of Wong's appearance here? Yeah, really good. But it, it, it's interesting because you really get the sense of Wong being slightly distracted and I, I guess for the outside um, person, like, it, it, it is chaotic. Mm-hmm. But he's very distracted with this real, um, you know, this real dimension with Earth's dimension. You can get a sense he's spinning... a a lot of different plates here. Mm. Um, but I, I really kind of like how um, Benedict Wong does the character of Wong. Yeah. Um, yeah I, I love the fact that he's, you know, he's late for the po- parole hearing. Uh-huh. He comes in the nick of time. Is it by design? Is it by accident? Total accident. But, Jeff, um, Jeffer I, is definitely yeah, spinning exactly. the plates waiting for him but, to arrive. But then his testimony effectively implicates him in a crime <laughs> of, uh, you know, escaping uh, Emil Blonsky yeah. uh, illegally. From and he's maximum like, security prison. Yeah. I must depart. <laughs> it just as a, does the sling ring and off he goes. Absolutely. Um, and even when he arrives into the law office again mm-hmm. it's kind of seemingly distracted and a little chaotic absolutely and a few nods there to uh to big mcu movies like uh spider-man no way home where he he mentions that he could wipe the yes. world's memories of this incident with emil blonsky but it's quite messy so he doesn't want to do that again uh and then a reference to uh dr strange because he mentions that he can put uh he can push um emil blonsky into the uh the mirror dimension or maybe the shadow dimension. Yes, exactly. <laughs> oh no, don't worry. We will use sorcery as Plan B and taps his nose. Yeah, <laughs> it's really, so, really good. Great fun. Great fun to have him here. I just enjoyed like the whole fun part of, and I think this is what I'm going to enjoy about this show more if it does go down this route. Mm-hmm. And she calls out. There's been a few cameos, yeah. <laughs> yeah. and we do know there is a long, a larger cameo coming as well. But if you do get these types of pieces like if we can get Sam Wilson mm-hmm. and we can get Bucky Barnes, you get a comedic element here. So and they they can be comedic characters, Absolutely. and we've seen that with like we've seen say for example in some of the Moon Knight comic books where they had Spider Man and Captain America and Wolverine mm-hmm. being comedic or Deadpool in the comic books or in the the live action where you have serious characters being in comedic bits. Yeah. This is a nice way. If you want to show off yeah. a bit of fun with this character just before they go back to their own show or film where it's going to be doom and gloom mm-hmm. and the world's falling apart and about to end. But hey, don't worry. In She-Hulk, we're going to show you the comed- the fun side Absolutely. of the MCU. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and even referring to your your mention of the biggest cameo that we know that's coming this season, we're going to see Matt Murdock Daredevil in this yeah. show. Like, yes. This is our first proper appearance of him in his costume as well, coming up in the series. We did three seasons of, of Daredevil uh, in 
uh, on Netflix, and that was one of the most serious shows that we watched. It was very, very serious. So having a moment where we can have a bit of comedy with Daredevil before he goes off to the 18-episode Born Again series, which will be coming out on Disney Plus in the future, and is quite a serious storyline. That'll be great to see a much more fun side of Matt Murdock. Yeah, we saw yeah. a little bit of that in No Way Home. Not enough. Absolutely. <laughs> I think as well, you know, with Wong, it's interesting that he needed Blonsky to complete his Sorcerer that Supreme training, yeah. almost like it needed to be on the resume. Hmm. Uh, so that was kind of interesting. Um, and then effectively with, with Blonsky really sort of being the Zen sort of reformed, rehabilitated oh, yes. um character that he is. It's just really, really good. I mean, I absolutely adore the seven soulmates. Oh, it's amazing. Um, and just seeing um Tim Roth kind of going, Hi, just wave, you know, just hi loves. <laughs> and so, Love you. Just yeah. Really, really good uh seeing yes. Tim Roth just having that lighter aspect as well absolutely. with his character. Boss. I do want to point this out because I've been listening to lots of podcasts since we released our episode two podcast. I've been listening to lots of people talk about She-Hulk and, uh-oh, I think they've created their Mephisto here with the seven uh, soulmates uh, of Emil Blonsky because they mentioned them last week and we didn't see them. They mentioned, Emil said, I'm moving in with my seven soulmates. An upcoming movie that we know is coming from the MCU is Thunderbolts, which is a group of villains that... Emil Blonsky, Abomination, will be joining. He's gonna, he's confirmed to be a member of them. And every podcast I heard thought the seven soulmates was the members of Thunderbolts that he was going off to join. <laughs> <laughs> so Excellent. this week I am wondering whether they're all going to be going, Oh my God, MCU, you've disappointed what we thought was going to happen. We thought this was going to be our introduction to all the rest of the Thunderbolts. <laughs> well, that's really good. That, that's almost like trolling mm-hmm. uh, the fandom a bit yep. because. I mean, even in this, I really liked how they incorporated the the social media point of women superheroes, you know, Mm -hmm. and all that social media stuff that flashed over. It's just, you know, very quick. Um, You know, you could just miss it, really. But it's just it's a it's a nice little kind of dig at those detractors saying, you know, you can't have women superheroes or mm-hmm. well, if you want women superheroes get your own yeah. kind of you know all that kind of uh nonsense and so on so okay. it's just really i thought you know fair dues you know to to the creators Absolutely. and showrunner Absolutely. to be honest what, what was the one you took away hulk's manhood and gave it to a woman how dare you kind of thing <laughs> yeah so this is criticism that marvel have been getting since the 80s when they created characters like uh like she hulk or uh female characters that had similar powers to the male characters nobody minds if there's a hundred characters that have exactly the same powers as each other but once you say that a woman has them oh no that's terrible get your own basically there's about what 25 characters that have gamma powers in uh, in the comic oh, books or more, more like <laughs> you've got the red versions yeah, of the hulks hundreds. you've got the you've got the abominations one you've got <laughs> the like there's a secondary hulk as well obviously amadeus chow mm-hmm. you've got then what do you call him uh you've got the leader who <laughs> is gamma yeah. infused you've got um uh the doc samson who is gamma infused as well but that just makes his <laughs> muscles iron mm-hmm. but he has green hair yeah. and that's all he gets he doesn't get angry he just like 
yeah, you name it. Like, <laughs> sorry, I was convinced then, Chris. You said gammon infused. So I was like, mm, well, tasty. Mm, oh my god, I could do with a gammon sake and a bit of pineapple. Mm. That'd be pretty impressive. Pretty impressive. Yeah, uh, we will talk about another one. Actually, I'll bring it in right now. Uh, a little uh, Easter egg in the episode. We saw an interview with uh, Doctor Gideon Wilson at the beginning of this episode. The person that put yes. away Emil Blonsky into prison. Gideon Wilson in the comic books is Sam Wilson's brother. And is gamma infused and has the opposite power of Doc Samson. Doc Samson gets gets more and more powerful the longer his hair grows. Hence the Samson connection there. Uh, he gets gamma power from having short hair. That's why he's got a shaved head. So there you go. Uh, so a little nod there, uh, but also an interesting connection to Sam Wilson. I wonder will they keep that? That uh, I don't think we we have a connection in the Falcon which Witch Soldier. Him having a brother, we know he has a sister, but I don't think we ever had a mention of Gideon uh, Wilson in in. Uh, Falcon and Witch Soldier. But there you go. Little Easter egg in there. Good yep. stuff. Good, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. So should we talk about the, the ending of this point? That Blonsky is free. Mm-hmm. I know. Like, I did not see that. I thought there was going to be some roid out. And I still wonder if there will be. A, like, he, like, the whole point now is over the next couple of episodes, he's out. Turns out he was actually bad. She-Hulk has to put him away. Maybe. In the last episode. Or is it actually a full redemption of the abomination? Well, it's interesting because, you know, maybe he is this boss. I mean, you just, I I don't know. Maybe. You never know. But I I must say, I was surprised that he got it. But I mean, it seems really genuine. And I'm loving the fact uh, as to how it is going, Mm -hmm. to be honest. But it is a shock that the abomination is is effectively free and seems so zen with everything. Um, yes. I do like even with him changing into Abomination as well. Just where, he, again, a bit like with um, Jen in the first episode, he takes off his Crocs <laughs> and then, um, you know, turns and then has the, you know, get this man a pair of clo- you know, a set of clothes. I, I love that when he turns into Abomination, the first thing he does is pick up his uh, his set of Crocs and move them to the other side of the room, <laughs> yeah, just showing exactly. that he's really gentle, has full control over the character. But there's a little note I mentioned earlier on uh, that Emil Blonsky will appear in, uh, in Thunderbolts in the future. Thunderbolts are similar to the Suicide Squad from DC, a bunch of villains who are uh, told to uh, work for the government. Um, so I think there's a little nod to it in what, has been told to him by the parole board. He has to stay as Emil Blonsky, not Abomination indefinitely. Possibly somebody could take that and say you can turn into Abomination and form part of the team uh, in Thunderbolts, potentially. That could be a way that they can do it in the future. He is free now. Um, But they're basically saying from the parole board they can put him back into prison if he turns into Abomination. But they could caveat that in the future. Yeah, no, exactly. So I think so. Like he could, he could be somewhat of now. If you've introduced him as bring him back as this kind of somewhat comedic aloof character, yeah. kind of zen, oh, and then you bring him in Thunderbolts as the that that the last time we saw him was this role. That would be a good comedic foil yeah. to when he just grows quite big. And he's also very heavily military trained and has yeah. has that ability yeah. to follow exactly. orders and all that. and it's also similar to King Shark as well. Maybe in that sense, to um, from Suicide Squad. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Be similar. Except he's 
a lot more intelligent than Kickstarter. Well, yeah, no, exactly, exactly. Uh, but I also do want to mention, as you said, that whole great ending to this whole scene as Wong gets uh, gets accused of, uh, of doing something illegal and it is literally exit stage right to Caritas. <laughs> End scene. Bye-bye. I'm out. Really good. Uh, good stuff. Will we go on to our next case note? Yes, absolutely. Yes. It is case note number two. Dennis and the shape-shifting elf. Mm-hmm. Yes, Miss Runa. Well, again, another shape-shifting element here, you know, thinking of uh, in terms of the scroll uh, as well. Well, absolutely. This is going to be my point about the about the elf introduction here. Um, we saw in the past in Captain Marvel that the scrolls were actually good guys. There were people that teamed up with Nick Fury and they teamed up with uh, Captain Marvel and they've been seen as good guys. Interesting here that the elf is very mischievous and likes to take the position of anybody they're kind of introducing that idea that she could be anybody until you find out that they're not so i wonder because the show's not called the scroll invasion the show's called secret invasion which is around uh, that concept of people being anybody are there a bunch of elves out there are they going to use this idea to be the secret invasion is it not going to be scrolls is it going to be the elves what do you think interesting theory yeah, I, I, a possibility i would prefer it if it was scrolls me too and not elves mm-hmm. <laughs> to be honest um i think yes we're gonna have a lot of elves in, the, in lord of the rings aren't we so well that is true there's gonna be a lot of <laughs> yeah. elves there plus you know it's a it's from uh miss runa is from asgard she is so the daughter of a diplomat you know, from asgard, i think yes. asgard has had plenty of time on the mcu screen so mm. i want to see more scrolls uh, you know, we've got little uh, snippets of the scrolls, so certainly with Far From Home with mm-hmm. uh, the Spider-Man. So, uh, yeah, I'm hoping it's scrolls. But it, again, it's maybe even just putting the shape-shifting element back in the 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 mind's eye yeah. for viewers, because it's actually quite a while it's now a while. since um, Far From Home mm-hmm. and from the original Captain Marvel movie. Mm-hmm. So. You know, it just puts that shape-shifting element um, back back in the mind's eye. So, yeah. uh, you know, and it it was just good fun. This was fun. It it was the you know just the self-absorbed um, Bukowski, Mister Bukowski, Dennis Bukowski. Oh yeah. It's it's actually getting to know a bit more about Pug as well, mm-hmm. and the the other lawyer attached to yeah. the uh, superhero. Division. Yeah. I, I really like their bar scene where, you know, Jen is really trying to, you know, she, she doesn't like this public, um, sort of focus on her, the media attention. And Nikki's just, well, you're going to have to deal with it. And then Pug comes in. Nikki passes, uh, her cocktail over to him and just like exasperated over having to be, um, the, the attorney for Dennis Bukowski with his, yeah. his just, crazy uh self-absorbed idea of how good he is he's a new york 10 but an la 11 uh, so <laughs> I thought that was hilarious gosh I'm deluded glad. i believe might be a better term for it i have definitely met guys like this absolutely <laughs> met guys like this like I, I think we glossed over one of his comments from last week when he was in the bar with jen and he looks over the room and goes oh there's a beautiful woman over there i'm gonna go and talk to it and like he's absolutely yeah. horrible human being and I, you know there's points in this episode where you're going He's going to get his comeuppance. This is going to fail. There's no way they're going to be able to get him out of this. Um, 
and he deserves it in some ways. You know, there's a, there's a bit of that, but uh, I do like uh, the character of Runa. I love what she's doing. I love that she, that, that as he walks out of her room, she comes back in as Dennis and tries to say, Oh, I've changed <laughs> exactly. my mind. And then tries to do the same thing uh, with the judge and also takes the place of Pug as well and says, you know, Oh, I like to abuse women in work situations as he runs out after. Yeah, you won't work with me <laughs> as a threat. I, yeah. I loved as well. Um, Runa's attorney saying, this was a role play relationship, yeah. you know, yeah. <laughs> and, um, whereas the, you know, Pugs can't know it was a relationship gone bad, but yeah. I, I just love this idea that he was in a role play relationship with this elf, mm-hmm. the shape shifting elf. And because he was, <laughs> it's just like so self absorbed and deluded, but it was just good fun yeah. all the way through. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, so, I enjoyed this. It was a bit of fun, but it started to remind me very much of the DC show that was cancelled pretty quickly, which was um, Paradise, which had like Vanessa Hudgens, Alan Tudyk, Dan- Danny Puddy, mm-hmm. all really good names. Like Ron Funches is in it. Like it was, it was basically similar to like Damage Control, i.e., like they were an insurance company mm-hmm. with run by the Waynes with like some elements of kind of tech in there and it was always just a here's the premise like and then there was superheroic hijinks in the surrounding kind of episode each week right so this part of the sitcom kind of very much reminded you of that and I'm like okay if this is a one-off I'm kind of or like one or two max in the whole series Mm -hmm. I'm all right but if this is kind of a setup for episode four, five, six, seven, where we'll get these every episode, here's some more hijinks in the MC. I was like, fun, but like, keep it very kind of short. I don't want too much hijinks, if you know what I mean. <laughs> I think you might be disappointed. I think there's going to be, be, I think there's going to be lighter stuff like this, not necessarily yeah. sort of cut and paste in terms of that but the it's it's gonna have that lighter element to it to be honest and i think the serious stuff that will come out of it will be tinged with humor and so on i mean you know and and we'll get onto it with our our case note number three but you know that that sort of more nefarious element here came in through uh, the wrecking crew. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But I, th- I think there's going to be these elements, definitely. Yeah. Without a doubt. And, and the point is, this didn't say it's day. It's welcome. It was just a fun, uh, yeah. a fun gag that worked quite well for me anyway. And, and I think, especially because it's a character like Dennis, you want to see him get his comeuppance because in the yes. background of the first two episodes, you had him. Exactly. You know, the guidance that he was giving to, to Jen in the first episode about her delivering her, her speech even was, Oh, you need to smile more as if that was actually going to affect her performance and how people yes. would perceive her. That's his attitude to women. He needs to have us come up and in a, in an episode. I think they've done it here, but these, this is absolutely what law shows do. They do an A and B story. A couple of, uh, a couple of, a couple of different cases are going on and they either cross over or don't. And they just have elements for each of the characters to have something to do in the show. But I don't think it outstays its welcome in the show. No, no, I agree. I just think if it, if every episode going forward, the B show is like, next week, Frogman gets sued because he sat on a <laughs> lily pad. Like, if it's well, always... And, and then she has her main story. Yeah. That's where I'm like, 
Okay. Well, let's hope they manage it as well as they have in this episode. We've only seen I one more that, episode exactly. of the series, and there's six more episodes to go. So let's not guess that they're going to ruin it <laughs> in the future. They didn't ruin it in this episode. So I understand the, the concern. I don't think it's going to go down that path. They've written the show quite well uh, thus far to be a lot of fun. So let's hope they can keep that up. Um, but I do think the uh, the ending for Runa in this, I thought, was hilarious that she still has to pay her. She has to pay the entirety of that 175 grand that she took from Dennis. Yeah. And also, because she jumped up on and pretended to be the judge, she's also going to get six months, um, either community service or jail. It didn't say, but I'm presuming community yeah. service for that. But uh, but I did think that was a great uh, ending out to the story. Very funny. And of course, Megan the Stallion herself in the audience saying, yep, there's only one of me. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, a good little gag. I, I'm going to very quickly state, because mm-hmm. I have to, I have no idea who Megan the Stallion was or is. I yeah. thought it was a made-up character <laughs> until the post credit where I was like, oh, no, okay, obviously they're doing a real thing here. Yeah. I thought it was kind of similar to like, hey, we're going to make up our own MCU version of Lizzo. Right. And I was like, oh, no. Oh, she's a real person. Oh, my God. I am that out of touch with the kids. Well, Goddamn. Un- until I heard her track right at the end, her body, yaddy, yaddy track, which I have definitely heard. Yes, uh, I've heard that. Past, I, I, that was the only time I was like, oh, that's who Megan the Stallion is. And then realized that Electric Picnic, one of Ireland's biggest music festivals is on this weekend, and she's playing at that festival as well, <laughs> which I think is hilarious. So all the Irish She-Hulk fans going down to say hi <laughs> at Electric Picnic. That'll be, that'll be fun. Uh, but there you go. That's uh, That, I think, is the story of Dennis and the shape-shifting I elf. Definitely. <laughs> Let us move on to our final case note, case mm-hmm. note number three. They're gonna wreck it. Yes, they are. Yes, we, as I said, we kind of have this other aspect coming in here now. Um, at least initially, possibly just a mugging, but then not with all the Asgardian tech that they've managed to accumulate. (laughs) Uh, but we get the boss won't be happy as they've tried to get a sample, uh, from Jennifer Walters, Mm -hmm. but she's turned into the Hulk. So it is skin of steel. I I do love that moment where Jennifer's kind of screaming at the fact that she's been attacked just outside of her home and then goes, hang on a second. Yeah, turns I know, into she exactly. Well, that was really good fun. But yes, comic book characters, the Wrecking Crew, um, we have uh, in the comics anyway, we have Thunderbolt, Wrecker, Piledriver, and Bulldozer. Thunderbolt called out here. He's wearing yes. a mask. And the episode, you hear his name in the episode. And yes, as you say, they call out that uh, the boss won't be happy. So somebody else uh, over the top of the Wrecking Crew. Um, but again, another great line from uh, from Jen when she's looking at their weapons and goes, Hang on a second. Did you rob a, a construction work, worker from Asgard? And I go, yes. <laughs> uh, really good fun. Uh, and, Can and, you imagine yeah. if they, they, they t- like, the boss is the kingpin? Maybe, maybe. Because that's how Matt Murdock comes in later. He does rarely leave New York, though, does Kingpin, and we're over in over in LA, so I'm wondering if it's somebody else that might have a metal-sounding name. But I'm going to leave that. I don't know. <laughs> at all but uh maybe titania the other major uh, character of the show that we haven't seen much of oh uh, right uh, yeah right yeah. okay that makes more sense Titania's that does metal, make more it? sense <laughs> but i still think it'd be cool if, we were thinking, you know, yeah, no, if exactly. she reports it to <laughs> yeah, kingpin exactly yeah. i mean i've not really kind of put titania as yeah. a central person here because of the fleeting moment in the first 
episode. Yeah, and mentioned in the second episode. But they also have gone really big on the socials for Titania creating her own yes, Twitter account. She, they have a great video of her defaming uh, one of the She-Hulk uh, posters <laughs> in LA where she spray paints her name across the top of it. So Titania is coming in the show. Okay, I, yeah. I wonder if this is a way to connect her in. Possibly. And, and probably. So it's, yeah, forget any theories <laughs> that we had around Kingpin or Abomination <laughs> possibly yeah. being this big boss. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Anything else on the Wrecking Crew themselves? I, I, I thought they were just kind of pretty cool like in the sense of like i I love the asgardian sort of helmet and the Mm. ball and so on but also they seemed a little bit uh not up to the task really which i I liked i like the fun side of it Mm -hmm. as well i do wonder if they'll level up similar the way like well we got shocker and scorpion in spider-man Back in the day. So those are quite some quite powerful rogues who were kind of initially shown as a, a bit terrible at what they were doing. They were low-level henchmen who got these. Yeah. I'm wondering if these are kind of hope made because the Wrecking Crew are, yeah, there's, they're, they're C-list. Oh, yeah. But oh, at yeah. certain points, they do do some very cool stuff and have had some very cool stories and like where, like once or twice, they managed to get imbued with like crazy levels of power, right. and it took like Avengers level stuff to take them down. Mm. Like, there's been some cool stories like that. So I'm like, if they can just sprinkle these guys across a few of these different shows, where you're like, oh, it's the Wrecking Crew again. Mm. Oh no, and they bumbling, and then suddenly the like the next time you see them, they they they're not bumbling, and they're like suddenly crazy level threat i'd be like that'd be fun like they're the new stanley cameo essentially (laughs) yeah well like across everything going forward let's see what damage the wrecking crew can do in the future yeah yeah well i hope i hope they come back on screen as well it'd be good to see them again yeah i think we will for sure but uh that is our third and final case note Mm -hmm. any other notes before we go into our defense nothing for me uh, what I really liked was uh, Nikki's way of getting in contact with, with Wong, which is, she goes, I sent him a thirst trap after finding out that he's a librarian, <laughs> and it's me with, bunch, me with a bunch of books, <laughs> which I thought was hilarious. And you see that represented in the uh, in the closing credits, you see her taking that selfie with a bunch of books. So uh, I thought that was a good little joke. Excellent stuff. Um, right then, Chris, do you defend episode three of She-Hulk? Yeah, I, this one is a, is a very good episode. Not amazing or great, but a very good episode. I like all the Mio Blonsky st- Actually, no, I'm going to rephrase that. This is a good to great, not amazing episode. It's high up there. It's fun. And I will revise my the score later in the season if every season episode, episode going forward is going to have this kind of B story that is just quite silly and like not like if they just consistently do that i think this for what it is is fun and will continue and has the potential to be this comedic foil that is going to be really 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 fun and just separate itself out differentiate itself out from the mcu very well and i'm hoping that episode four five and six prove me right about that so yes i defend excellent Derek, do you defend episode three, The People versus Emil Blonsky? 
Absolutely, I do. This is great fun. I, I, I genuinely laughed more, I think, in this episode than I did in the previous two. And that's probably because adding in actors as great as Benedict Wong and Tim Roth into this show on top of Tatiana Maslany, who's been fantastic from the start, uh, adding those two actors in with their comedic chops, I think they were, the timing of everything throughout the episode just worked really well. A great comedy episode for me. Uh, and yeah, having a, a, a special guest star like Megan the Stallion, um, who I didn't know before the show, uh, other than knowing her song, uh, but just having that and having the post credit scene was great fun. I, I loved the, I love how they're continually poking fun at the media and how they're, uh, how they're framing stories. There's a great moment when one member of the media calls out to, uh, to Jenna. She's walking past. Is it true that the Avengers turned you down? And the other member of the media turns back to camera and goes, rumor is that the Avengers turned, uh, Jennifer Walters down from joining them. Uh, I love that they're talking about that kind of stuff. That was, that was really good fun. Um, there's also the, uh, other Easter egg where they do mention that, um, a rumor going around is that the ma- a mafia hit calls Jennifer Walters to get her powers, which yes. is her original origin story from the comic book. So uh, another great little nod there. So so it feels like these episodes are absolutely crammed full Definitely. of things that you can take out if you're a comic book fan. But if you don't know anything about the comic books, you can also sit and laugh uh, with the comedy. So I think uh, exactly the right balance for me uh, for this episode. How about yourself, John? Overall, do you defend this episode of She-Hulk Attorney at Law? Yeah, I, I do defend this. I'd give it uh, four Blonsky beats out of five. Nice. And I, I think I can't really say much more, really. You know, it was just really great to get all the different um, cameos in this. Really enjoyed uh, Tim Roth's performance. Enjoyed Benedict Wong. I just enjoyed that silliness uh-huh. uh, with uh, Ms. Runa. Uh, and also then getting uh, the Wrecking Crew uh, on board as well and having that moment really, really good. And I, I think you're right. I think there's just so much threaded through this in, in a very light way, but whether mm-hmm. it's just the 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 dig at the media or even just social media, that kind of commentary that you get. Mm-hmm. Um, and But it's, it's not overbearing. It, it's just... A very simple point done quite quickly. Yeah. Um, and, and it's there and fair dues, you know, there's, there's something more than that humor. So really, really enjoyed this. Yep. Four Blonsky beats out of five. Excellent stuff. Excellent stuff. We are finally naming our, uh, our pub quiz the correct name in our third episode of the show, which we should have named it the correct name from the start. Uh, <laughs> our She-Hulk bar exam. Yes. How did we miss that for two episodes? I know, exactly. That, that's Com- right. There. Like, that was It was smack in the face. In the face. Exactly. Uh, right completely missed it. So <laughs> we are having the She-Hulk bar exam. Mm-hmm. We, we can still grab a drink at the legalese mm-hmm. after the bar exam, of course. But it is fellow quizzers, fellow defenders. It's episode three, which, of course, means it's question three. Mm-hmm. The question is... How is Wong's social media presence chaotic? Ooh, very good. Very good. Uh, John, do you want to give the question one more time? Certainly. How is Wong's social media presence chaotic? Send your answers to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com and you'll be in with a chance for some She-Hulk strength protein bars. 
Well, some no. She-Hulk goodies. <laughs> yes. Yes. We're not going to create, uh, create a brand strength <laughs> stuff in our, in our lab uh, for this. We just will get you some uh, some She-Hulk goodies. Yeah. Yes. Send your answers into all nine questions at the end of the series to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeedy. This episode of TV Podcast Industries is brought to you by our supporters on Patreon, including Robert Williams. Thank you so much, Robert. Thanks, Robert. Yeah, thanks so much, Robert. Uh, great to have your support. Thank mm-hmm. you. Yes, and you can support us just like Robert for any monthly amount over at patreon.com slash TV Podcast Industries. Or if you'd like to support us for a one-off donation, you can pop on over to buymeacoffee.com slash TVPI, where you can buy us, you know what? You can buy us a coffee. It does exactly what it says in the tin, just like Ron Seal. Any of our UK listeners will get that one right there. But do not worry. You can still support us by subscribing to the podcast and sharing with your friends. Because remember, sharing the podcast is what, gentlemen? It is, of course, sharing the love. And we do not mean Megan the Stallion love or twerking love. No, no, no. It's sharing podcast love where it is helping spread our message like a shape-shifting elf. We'd love to hear your thoughts about She-Hulk. Do you know why? Because we that helps keep the next section of our podcast going where we, you, our fellow defenders, really tell us everything you thought about this episode. You can email us your feedback to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com. You can join our Facebook group, facebook.com slash group slash TV Podcast Industries, where each and every episode has its own post and you can put it in there and send it in. Absolutely. And our first section of feedback is on last week's episode on episode two, because we did get, did release our podcast before the episode came out uh, last week. Uh, first up, we have an email in from John Daniel, who says, Hi, Defenders. I am laughing out loud way more than I ever hoped I would be at this show. I just want to share some favorite parts, and I'll keep it brief. The new co-worker with the best places to poop map needs way more screen time. He <laughs> is amazing. Tim Roth is simply brilliant. He went from getting me misty about his plight to laughing at his haikus. Jen's family is Comedic perfection. I want more Marklin Baker in my life immediately. My Larry Appleton radar went off almost right away. What delightful sitcom casting. I love the Shang-Chi tie-in with Abomination 2. And Mr. Holloway is definitely up to no good. What a great show. See you next week. John from Chicago. Great stuff, John. Thanks for the feedback. A couple of things that John mentioned there, which we kind of didn't uh, didn't touch upon last week. Pug is quite heavily featured in this episode, and that was him uh, int- going and introducing Jen to uh, yeah. the best places to poop yes. uh, in the building. So Pug will be featured uh, more in the series. Uh, Tim Roth, obviously, as you've seen, uh, very heavily featured in this episode as well. So uh, I think the... Um, Official social media account for uh, for She Hulk released all of his haikus uh, that uh, that the character had written uh, <laughs> on social media. So if you like haikus, uh, there's some fun ones over there. Uh, certainly mentions the little ears of abomination a few times in his haikus. Yeah, excellent stuff. <laughs> excellent. Thanks, John. And also, when we didn't catch last week as well, a good mention there, uh, John. Mark Lynn Baker played a character called Larry Appleton on a TV show called Perfect Strangers, which I think was on like daytime TV here in uh, the mid to late 80s. Uh, we didn't get every American sitcom in primetime over here. <laughs> so I think that's why we all missed uh, missed him. But I do remember the show as well. So uh, good catches there, John. Yeah, thank you, John. We also got an email in from Coffee and Vodka who says, Greetings, fellow space Sakaran defenders. Before anything, 
I'm a completely different person now, literally. Is this Marvel officially saying Norton, here's a who? <laughs> Whatever the case, some truly meta Deadpool level writing. Jen's cause and effect transfer from the DA's office to GLK and H was quickly and efficiently handled. On the way, an online job search with Wolverine and Eternals references. It was nice to see Emil and his seven pen pal friends, again, as well as Bruce's journey to World War Hulk. Through a bout of unemployment and the dreaded family dinner, Tatiana Maslany continues to bring the fun, mm-hmm. making the only problem with this show feeling the incomplete shortness of it. Maybe we're just spoiled as viewers, but She-Hulk kind of requires longer episodes, especially this one. Also, especially if they're to continue to use the show as a coming attractions. What are they up to now? An Easter egg dumping ground. <laughs> Finally, my show MVP was Josh Sagara's pug with his subtle yet guffaw-worthy performance. Mm-hmm. Four and a half agnostic attorneys, pug provided privileged poo passes <laughs> and ticked off Titania's out of five. Peace and take care. Coffee and vodka. Fantastic. Yeah, thanks so much, coffee and vodka. Um, yeah, it, well, I'm glad they're not longer because we are, will still podcast quite lengthy about them. So uh, we need to, we said we were going to do 30 minutes, but we, we've possibly gone over here uh, for sure. So yeah, longer episodes mean longer podcasts, I guess. So <laughs> actually, Coffee and Vodka, you're just wanting to hear our dulcet tones for longer. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's it. Maybe that's it. I, I, again, I do think the fun of having a break for a week was all of the theories that came out about the seven pen <laughs> yeah. friends of Emil Blonsky. And I felt so sorry for everybody because I already knew that, uh, that they were not anything uh, massively representative of the future of the MCU. So, uh, oh well, that's another theory that the, uh, that the YouTube crowd can, uh, can pour over for another few weeks. Yeah, excellent stuff. Thanks. Maybe, maybe they're all shape-changing elves. <laughs> I was hoping one of them will be in the future, or a demon that Wong planted, or something crazy. You never know, yeah. Thanks so much, Coffee and Vodka. Yeah, excellent stuff, Coffee and Vodka. Thanks. Over on Facebook, we got some feedback from Heather Wallace, who had this to say, Some of Jen's She-Hulk animations were off this week. Not as smooth as the previous episode. Tin Roth was fantastic. All his reference to his seven soulmates made me laugh so much. The series is tying into Sang chi very nightly. First the answer about why Bruce looked human, and now the footage of Abomination and Wong's cage fight. I have my fingers crossed for some special guest appearances. The BFF's makeup was so 80s that I thought she was going time travelling for her date. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Nikki. <laughs> she does feel like she's out of uh, My Cousin Vinny or something like that, doesn't she? Hey, we're doing makeup here. <laughs> That's also a terrible accent, Chris. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks, Thank Heather. You. Yeah, thanks, Heather. Uh, also, Alan Thomas says, I really liked both of the first two episodes. Just good fun. I'm not going to defend the MCU Hulk movie as being anything great. I only have it ranked as the 20th best MCU movie, but I do think it's not quite as bad as you're making it out to be. Outside of their Sony co-production Spider-Man movies, the MCU hasn't been putting out any movies lately post-Endgame that beat it. It was close to the bottom a couple of years ago, but now among those movies in the 21 to 27 range, alongside Thor The Dark World and Shang-Chi, Doctor Strange, <laughs> uh, Black Widow and Eternals. Oh, Alan, you are completely opposite to this podcast. Uh, I would <laughs> probably put the uh, the first MCU Hulk movie uh, down as low as Thor Ragnarok, probably near the 27 uh, level of the MCU movies for me. 
and Eternals and, and Eternals and Shang Chi are up towards the top. Yeah, I plead the fifth. I can do that on it's a legal podcast. I can do that now. <laughs> there you I go. Say, I, I plead the fifth. Yes. Well, I guess everyone has their choices. Exactly. So it's great yeah. that we can arrange them in whatever order we want, right? That's exactly. The, that's the benefit of the MCU. All good different. stuff. Um, and uh, yes, I think uh, you know the the first two episodes have been really good fun. I mean, mm-hmm. it continues as well uh, with this third episode. So thanks, Alan, uh, for the feedback. Uh, also, Harvey Locust says. At 23 minutes of actual episode, I can see how this episode would have worked as the first episode if they hadn't bumped up the flashback scenes. I think this would have played better if they had just made an extended first episode that included everything we've seen so far, especially since Bruce was in both episodes and we most likely won't see him again until the very last episode. I'm very forgiving when it comes to computer-generated effects, but even I have to admit some of it fell short in this episode and might have been better off cut out. I'm speaking specifically to people handing Jen drinks. Emil's plot was quite excellent and always nice when the Incredible Hulk is not ignored or swept under the rug, even though Disney doesn't have the rights to it. All in all, four job interviews out of five. Excellent stuff, uh, Harvey. Uh, yes, I think... Um, yeah, I think we were saying that as well. There was the suggestion that the the flashback could have been done after the first case or, so, mm-hmm. or something like that. So, uh, yeah, I think that's certainly uh, an option that could have been done here yeah. um, for sure. Yeah, I think the flashback was originally intended around episode six. So. Yeah, and of course, I think with the, the the CG, yeah, certainly, you know, again as well, it depends whether you've got the, you know, crystal clear... Uh, <laughs> screens yeah. or or however you watch it but yeah i mean sometimes i don't really think i've noticed it being off i noticed some in episode one for sure uh but i know that the digital artists here have have kind of and i think we mentioned it on the podcast about how um rendering um she hulk was a bit more difficult than with with hulk because they can put stubble on mm-hmm. and, and and so on, and they, yeah. so maybe they're you know it, it's finding their feet in the same way that the CG has gone through iterations yeah. with the Hulk character. Again, we'll probably see improvements made yeah. uh, for she. It was a really interesting comment, wasn't it? That that effectively, when you're trying to make a CGI male character look more realistic, you add crow's feet, you give them grey hair or grey greyness in their beard and greyness in their hair. But if they'd done that with She Hulk, it would have been uh, people would have been complaining about uh, about it for different reasons, right? So, um, so they're trying uh, definitely, and we haven't really had a show with. A major CGI, CGI character interacting with uh, non-CGI characters this much before, so I think they're doing a really good job. It's like seven studios, I think, involved in all the CGI work wow. that's on this show, including the motion capture studio owned by Andy Serkis. It's pretty cool. Interesting. Yeah. The claw still survives in the MCU. <laughs> Thanks so much, Harvey. Yeah. We also got some feedback from Doctor Bob Phillips, who had this to say. I'm really enjoying the digs at the superhero tropes, which <laughs> glitter in the comic tale. This episode had me giggling at the diversity hire bite, mm-hmm. the drunken shrink, and the atrocious naming in particular. 
Excellent. Excellent. Thanks, Dr. Bob. Brandy Anderson says, I am not only enjoying the show because of its entertainment factor, but also because it seems to have ties with so much of the MCU. And it seems to be doing this in all timelines, time periods, not in the multiverse or time travel sense. There are tie-ins to the past phases, as expected, with Abomination, mentioning all the other Avengers, and even a little joke about recasting, but also this current phase with links to Shang-Chi and Eternals. I mean, finally, something acknowledging Tiamat's body coming out of the water. (laughs) And even some hints to future phases, starting with what I assume has to be the setup for a new Hulk project, probably World War Hulk. And Emil's seven soulmates brought Thunderbolts to mind and the first reference to Wolverine. I know that Falcon and the Winter Soldier had the princess bar, but that could have just been a nod to the comic books. Your podcast about episode two was great. As usual, Derek, John and Chris. To answer your questions, Chad, Chet was the name of Jen's cousin. Also, Emil is lying, or at least not sharing the whole truth with Jen about the government giving him the serum. Yes, it's true, Ross did give Emil two doses, but first off, Ross lied to cover the tracks that he had done so, as it was not government-sanctioned, and Emil left out that he forced Mr. Blue, turned into be the leader, to administer a third injection, this time of the Hulk's blood. Bruce had sent Mr. Blue for experimentation. That last blood is what finally turned Emil into abomination, but it was not sanctioned by Thunderbolt Ross, let alone the US government. And also, the guy in the office uh, with the comic books is a nod to the comics. There's a scene where Jen speaks with a co-worker who has a bunch of comics behind him, and I think this is the first time we've seen comic books in the MCU, but in Eternals, if you remember, Fastos' son does call Icarus Superman, so we've had a reference to DC Comics. Yes. There. Excellent points, Brandy. There's some uh, some good pieces that we uh, we might have missed out uh, in the last episode. So good clarification yeah, there, especially about uh, about the Incredible Hulk movie, which I is unclear in my mind overall. So yeah, definitely, uh, that's really yeah. interesting that Emil is lying, um, mm. you know, or or possibly twisting the truth, or twisting the truth. You know, is, is that just simply, you know, how he remembers it, or is is it something? Um, Deeper, more nefarious. Yes, truth is in the eye of the beholder. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Brandy. We also have some feedback from Victor Von Doom, who had this to say: "Greetings, defenders. I'm really enjoying the Tatiana Maslany performance. Jennifer's experience really brings misogyny into focus. The family meal was a hoot. Pops is cool and very supportive." Chet is a genius. Was not surprised Bruce being on his way back to Sakaar. Can't wait to binge this series as one big movie. Excelsior, Victor Von Doom. P.S. Don't trust any Tim Roth portrayed characters. <laughs> exactly. He's building up that reputation, isn't he? He really, he really is. Has. Yeah, exactly. It, it's like Sean Bean is always going to die in the film. Yeah. Tim Roth cannot be trusted. It's, it's both you. of those things. Exactly. Thanks so much, Victor. Uh, finally, on episode two, uh, Michael Booth says, Ha, your disdain for the Incredible Hulk encouraged me to watch it again. I think it's the first time I've seen it in 10 years. Good to go back and see all the references of what's to come sprinkled in and refresh myself on Blonsky's story. Less good to go back and suffer the CGI. <laughs> Next, I'll have to watch the Eric Banner one and enjoy the fluorescent lime green Hulk. Yes, Fantastic. the giant margarita mm. with muscles. Um, oh my God, that sounds like your perfect Saturday night. Yeah, packs a punch, does that margarita? <laughs> anyway. I'm uh, sorry, Michael. Uh, that's that's my criticism of uh, of the Incredible Hulk that made you go back and um, 
let's say use two hours probably differently than you had planned originally. <laughs> so uh, thanks for that, Michael. Yeah, uh, good we, stuff, Michael. Thanks. Also have some thoughts on episode three uh, from Coffee and Vodka. First up, he says, greetings, fellow Sling Rung defenders. They really aren't cutting back on the meta at all, and it's so good. Also, apparently, fourth wall breaking comes with autopilot. <laughs> Drew Matthew was either born to play Dennis Pukowski or he changed his IMDb photo just for this show. Truly all in. The editing style of these episodes is as big an element as the actor and scenes with a with a half an hour passing like 10 minutes in this one emile's defense was mostly wrong but he's nonetheless free a shallow misogynist won his case by being a shallow misogynist (laughs) jen might be looking into a way to lose her powers and would kill for megan the stallion i'm certain there was much more but it'll take a few more viewings to unpack it all not just a solid watch but a downright dense one. Loving this show so far. Five bookworm thirst traps, toilet teas, and neutered abominations out of five. Peace and take care. Coffee and vodka. Excellent stuff, Coffee and vodka. I'm glad you're enjoying this uh, the show as much as we are. Yeah, I love um, I, I love your description of Bukowski's defense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> really good. Yeah, that's what he went for. Shallow misogyny. <laughs> we also got some feedback from John Daniel on his thoughts on episode 3. Hello, Defenders! The news montage opening reveals this show somehow knew how the She-Hulk was going to be perceived. Insert eye roll here. Mm. I loved the fourth wall breaking as much as I hoped I would, especially the literal announcements of connecting the A and B story. (laughs) I'm also going to pretend I'm special by noticing Jennifer's suit was oversized so it could look normal on She-Hulk at work. Very good. Rather than hit all the points, I loved I can sum up my thoughts on the entire episodes by repeating that Tim Roth is a gem. And this project is officially a delightful Marvel sitcom with legit chops and pacing. There are more laughs every episode. My better eights. <laughs> Absolutely. Now the library is more than a quiet place to shift someone. <laughs> Carl the prison guard. I love him so much. Fantastic. <laughs> I've been bawling his eyes out. It was great. <laughs> also, I never would have known the Mafia hit gone wrong question was an Easter egg if it wasn't for your podcast. I just wish we had more than three episodes to look forward to. See you next week. John from Chicago. Well, John, you are in for a treat because there are another six episodes mm-hmm. to look forward to. So uh, glad to be the bearer of good news. It's always good, isn't it? Uh, yes. I love, I love sharing that. Thanks so much, John. I'm really good that you enjoyed the episode as well. I'm glad to be of service, uh, giving you Easter eggs that you may not have found without our podcast. It's always good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we also have uh, some feedback on episode three from Victor Von Doom. Greetings, Defenders. I'm still laughing at this series, although there are some real-world points being made. Dennis, the delusional $175,000, and he is not a fool. (laughs) Uh, Regarding social commentary, the media is also delusional, much too close to reality. Mm -hmm. Runa, the Asgardian changeling, needs reining in, should the Queen not address this. Mm. I'm surprised the show addressed the Me Too female hero issue. Not taking sides on that one, after all, it's Marvel. Emil's transformation into Abomination was almost as scary as his soulmates. <laughs> Jen could start her own firm. She would not lack for clients. Mm. Could there be a future for Jen and Pug? Who sent the thugs after Jen's blood? Thunderbolt Ross? 
not like him to use Amos's. I could watch the twerk credit scene again. Oh yeah, I did. <laughs> Excelsior, Victor Von Doom. Good stuff, Victor. Uh, yes. We're thinking it's probably just Titania yeah. that, that's going after the blood of Jen. But again, that link to Thunderbolt Ross uh, and the Thunderbolts um, mm-hmm. is—it's it always going to draw that kind of parallel yeah. with having the Abomination uh, in in, in the in the show. Yeah, I, I just think because Jamila Jamil is quite a well-known actress, and her poster was yeah. about the second or third one released for the show uh, after Jen's and Bruce's, uh, so I, I kind of was expected to see a bit more of her by this stage. But we'll see her back in a future episode, I'm sure. Uh, thanks so much for your thoughts, Victor. Uh, really good to hear from you uh, about these episodes, and thanks to everybody for your thoughts about these episodes. Please keep sending them in, uh, even though we're recording today. If you have any thoughts on episode three, please email your thoughts to feedback at TV Podcast Industries com or pop on over to our facebook group where we have a spoiler post for episode three you can leave your responses there and we'll talk about them on the next podcast and of course i say that uh, we actually got another email in and uh, a piece of feedback on facebook after uh, we recorded uh first up dr bob over on facebook says this show is just the sprinkle of fun i was missing from my telly i am hugely appreciating the full fourth wall breaking presumably to add commentary from test screen audiences self-aware mockery in the vein of fleabag and the core of reality that makes the bite spicier cracking performances mm, iffy cgi this time and enough thread to string the season along thanks dr bob for your thoughts uh, on the episode as well really good to hear from you uh, yeah the fourth wall breaking i think has been great fun this episode uh, particularly i really liked that moment where jennifer kind of steps out of the world to tell you that she is hoping you're enjoying the show but you know it's still her show <laughs> with the uh, the car self-driving as well really good fun thanks dr bob we got an email in from Jerry on episodes two and three, who says, hey, guys, this show is really fun. The cameos and Easter eggs are great to discover. Wolverine sighting in episode two, Asgardian weirdness in episode three, the wrecking crew in the MCU. What other joys await us in future episodes? Fourth wall breaking done to perfection. Your twerking courtroom bailiff, Jerry in Niceville. Excellent stuff. Thanks, Jerry. And thanks for your thoughts. And thanks to everybody for their feedback on episodes two and three of She-Hulk. But thank you, fellow defenders. We will be back next week with episode four of She-Hulk Attorney at Law. Absolutely. And we are also starting another new podcast this week. We are going to Middle Earth. We're going to be talking about the Lord of the Rings, the Rings of Power from this week. First two episodes being released on Prime Video uh, on Friday uh, for us. Friday the uh, 2nd of September. So have a watch of that and come back to us for our thoughts about it. We're going to be covering it as if it's one movie uh, since both episodes are being released on the first day. We're going to talk about it that way. So uh, we are also covering Sandman. We just uh, just covered the best episode of TV so far, really, uh, in Sandman episode six, uh, which was really good to talk about. A really good podcast there as well, um, I, th- I think. Yes, definitely, definitely, definitely. Yes, that was a great episode of Sandman mm-hmm. and I can't wait to see the next episode of She-Hulk. So we'll speak to you again soon. Bye-bye for now. Absolutely. Thanks for joining us. Talk to you again soon. Yeah, thank you, fellow defenders, for joining us. Uh, As always, remember, keep watching, keep listening, and keep defending. Bye. Order in the court. (laughs) Bye. Bye.